Welcome everyone to the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Why aren't you dead? The Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 109, The Mistress of All Agonies, is brought to you by All That and Dim Sum. Now serving ice cream for breakfast and lunch. Just don't order vanilla. <laughs> Yum all around. Although I'll take the more complex one, please, Pete. Uh, Pete, it was just two days ago that we on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast were, uh, and even earlier this week for Iron Fist, we were talking about Inhumans is coming and there's Defenders news coming and there's this and that the other. So in the last 48 hours, Pete, at least we can be confident no new Marvel series announced for this year, right? <laughs> None whatsoever. Except for John Bernthal uh, tweeting a picture of the Punisher logo made of bullets uh, that says... It's the poster. It's the uh, Punisher Netflix poster 2017. We have no date at this point. Uh, But uh, Smart Money is saying uh, November-ish. Yeah, right around that... uh... Yeah, that November, December, I think, is what makes sense, and not for nothing. That then, Pete, wait for it. Let's see. who, Where do you think that Netflix could buy ad space uh, to help hype this Punisher show? Will there be any comic book television shows um, going on in the fall? Well, starting in IMAX and then over ABC, of course, we'll have Inhumans. Wait a minute. So that will mean that the partner studio gets to help the network sell ad space for the partner studio's other production. It's all connected, Pete. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is ridiculous to think that Punisher would come m- much before the certainly first half of Inhumans is concluded, um, probably a little bit after there, so they get them to maximize the uh, advertising, etc., etc. So, Pete, the merry-go-round never stops here on Fantastic Geek. <laughs> Time to step inside the dojo and deconstruct this episode. Pete, it is a serene opening in a field. Longtime viewers of Marvel uh, Cinematic TV must have wondered, is this from when Ward was hunting as a boy? Or maybe from that other show, when Ward was hunting as a boy? (laughs) Uh, Pete, I'm getting my shows crossed here. We got S.H.I.E.L.D., we we got Iron Fist all together, regardless for both. It's neither ward. The camera slowly makes its way to a mud pool. It is motionless, Pete. Kudos to all involved here, ensuring that there's not the, the merest ripple. And then Harold, Harold, pops to the surface. It's like he's awoken from the worst hangover ever. The synth music pulses. Pete, since you mentioned the music a couple episodes ago, I feel like I notice it more. Uh, close-up show that he's got all his fingers, Pete. That sure makes it handy for the actor. Uh, and he seems to slowly come to almost uh, birth of man style. He rises out of the muck. He pulls himself forward on his belly. He crawls. He reaches land. He stands fully, crying out, alive and back. Yeah, it's an effective opening. Uh, I was overjoyed uh, to see him pop out. Uh, you had to figure the moment you noticed it was Pelham Bay Park that he was going to come rising uh, up here like the Phoenix reborn, but I could not have been happier uh, when this took place. We get the title sequence and then back to 
is it really Chinatown in New York in the United States? It must be because we're in Colleen's dojo and Gao is there tied to a chair. So just to recap from last episode, the most logical option was to take her to Chinese authorities. Next was to do Interpol. And then the most ridiculous was somehow we need to smuggle this woman back into the country on the private jet, uh, on the chartered jet. I won't say executive jet, Pete. You, you, you taught me the difference last time. But somehow they got her back. Then they got her from the airport to the um dojo so okay yeah um they would have had to call in the new passenger on the uh on the private plane too which would be a potential story snafu um because you have to uh you have to register the the number of people and identities heaven forbid anything terrible were to ever happen and unfortunately that happens from time to time with uh private aircraft but she's strapped in the chair here claire of course doesn't like it at all colleen doesn't understand why they had to bring her there so matt we're not the only ones but uh danny says that you never let the enemy choose the battlefield you always work from a position of strength and gal is trying to twist him around her finger that they don't need to be enemies um and uh uh he's saying that we not be baited into her trap uh indeed she's not going to talk about events from 15 years ago uh, after all she doesn't what are they going to do at this point danny throws a punch his fist stopping just in front of the face of you know, this old woman who I will and, grant you runs, you know, a, a multi-million dollar heroin operation and so forth. But like, really, it's the first act after the title sequence and we have our hero almost punching an old, fairly frail woman. I mean, we're going to get more later how she's lived since the 17th century, blah, blah, blah. But this is where we're at here. Uh, see, Pete, it seems like it's time to take a time out. Isn't that what Colleen, Claire and Danny do? I was impressed in that they were able to give you that shot and give you the close up and, you know, Gao doesn't flinch and it speaks to characterization, but yeah, it does not hold up. Or it's a trick shot. That too, that too. Uh, But obviously it does not hold up in the, in the larger examination of it. Um, We, we, we get the slightest hinting here already, Matt, that, that Colleen's not, quite right um danny's grabbing his side as well um he refuses ice he says that he's fine and uh claire's worried they're on the fast track to waterboarding um but if his father was involved uh with the hand he needs to know colleen brings out another obvious point, which she as a character has a knack for doing. It's not going to change the way you feel about him. Um, But uh, yeah, he feels he's being ganged up. Danny does by uh, he's being ganged up on by Claire and Colleen. And uh, they just don't want him to do anything that cannot be undone. You know, like killing a little old lady. By the way, the reference there to waterboarding is perhaps 
a little oddly dated considering that Danny has completely missed out on that debate, I would imagine. All that fun waterboarding. Well, and <laughs> he, I mean, he missed I, out on all of it. <laughs> obviously, I know the practice existed before before this century, but certainly the public debate and public knowledge of it and with which we would make such a passing reference to, uh, to what is this waterboarding that's you know he's missed out on that as a social discussion regardless though pete there's a solution here claire remembers that rand has a lab you know that big like sciencey company has a lab uh she says that danny could get some sodium pentothal and uh, that will get gal to tell the truth and this way no one gets hurt and it is better than torture he, uh, this is of course overheard by Gao, who is uh, at the rear of the shot and she just starts to cackle at the notion here pete even on first viewing even at this early stage one gets the sense that uh, though madam Gao is in ropes she is in no way trapped from waterboarding to water hydrants matt hail hydrant uh and you know who loves him a hydrant uh, covered in mud with a fairly obvious stab wound is Harold Meacham. Yeah, uh, he uh, wanders on up to it. He asks the mother in a very kind of uh, slow and dulled way, is that your son? I have a son. Um, it, uh, there's a weird beauty to all of this. And, uh, of course, a reminder, Pete, that one should never open the fire hydrant themselves. Uh, if it's, if it's going to be opened with a little spritzer sprayer thing, let the fire department do that. Crosstown, Matt Joy leaves Ward a message. She wants to know, is this drugs, the building you took me to? Uh, Dad bought it the week before he died. Why did you not tell me? Call me back or I'll find out on my own. And what do you know? She just happens to run into Danny, although she was looking for him outside of Chikara Dojo. Uh, he's got a lot going on now. So does she informs him. They all, she, Ward, Danny, all have been ousted. They've lost, ran. What, what, wait, what, what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean, Matt? Pete, what I mean is we need a little expositional catch-up just to make sure that A, the audience is on the same page, and B, Danny, who has no idea that he's lost the company uh, for which he is, uh, for which he carries a name, uh, he needs that too. So this is called, Pete, taking the old story football. It's moving it up those 10 yards so you can reset the chains of sports ball. Pete, uh, by the way, Joy says that she blames Danny for everything. This all started when you showed up. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, it did because then he retook partial control of the company and changed the direction of the company, leading to a trajectory by which the board said, "We don't like this. You are no longer working here." Cannot enter the building. Uh, makes it a little curious how he was able to charter the jet in the midst of all of this. Um, but the only he, thing he's got fat stacks of cash. That's just his. He's got interest compounded. Well, that's just... the thing. The only thing he's not been stripped of is is the share. So that would uh, yeah. provide at least some explanation. Um, but, you know, he seems incredulous that it's his fault and then apologizes profusely. Um, 
And now that he finds out that uh, Joy cannot find Ward, he's worried. Uh, he and Ward, she, uh, he explains, are not exactly on good terms right now. Oh, yeah. And he took me to this Art Deco building on 57th and then freaked out. Do you know anything? Uh, hmm. Yeah, he kind of does. But uh, Joy picks up that he might be lying to him. Uh, he tells her to just stay away. He will call her tomorrow and everything will work out. Spoiler alert, that won't happen. The scene ends, Pete, perhaps the most <laughs> odd scene end, not yes. just in the course of our MCU stuff, maybe the strangest scene end I've ever seen. It ends with an off-screen person being honked at by a car as a man says, hey, I'm walking here, a la Midnight Cowboy. I guess somebody really wanted to get their Midnight Cowboy reference in off screen. What the heck? They got to get their Midnight Cowboy on, Matt. But our daytime cowboy, Harold, is Ooh. in the park. And uh, he played knickknack on his thumb uh, with a knickknack patty. Give a dog a bone, Matt. This old man came. Ooh. And uh, went up to the hot dog cart. Wonderful performance here. What? What's that? He asks about the hot dog. He reaches into the, Pete, what they call in New York, what they call the, the dirty water. The dirty water himself. reservoir. <laughs> yes. And with that, he retches up just these dark, clotted chunks. Is and it, then says to himself, better, and walks is it, off. Is it mud? Is it anticipation of a hot dog or a pretzel? I just don't know. Pete, I, I, honestly, here's how I read it. I read it as there's kind of necrotic tissue inside him now that he's healed, but there's still the bits of the, you know, the corner of the liver that was cut <laughs> off or the, you know, whatever the damage was of the knife. And it's just... His body is expelling it, which I know doesn't make complete sense because it shouldn't make its way to its to his stomach and esophagus. But it, to me, it was just the junk left over from his death. With that, Pete, what's going on back at the dojo? Well, Claire is treating Madame Gao to a little H2O, uh, seeing as they need to at least keep her alive, her uh, uncomfortability Aside, Madame Gao asserts that uh, they don't really care what difference would it make. You're still not going to untie me. Um, but she's at least trying to be polite. And Gao starts in with the mind games here, telling Claire that regret hovers around everything she does, that she finds herself fraternizing with people with gifts, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Danny Rand, not the girl who can jump and take pictures, Matt, and might be the the baddest uh, of them all. Jessica Jones, again, left off the list of special people. And just to review here, look, I mean, granted, the their perception of Daredevil, the guy in the suit and so forth, that's more flash. That's the most flashy because it, the suit and all of that. But, like, Daredevil is living in the shadows here, trying not to be found in his very photogenic costume. Luke Cage goes on TV, you know, the once. So it's kind of public. Danny Rand, okay, Gal knows that. Jessica Jones is the one who says herself, 
uh, in the pilot, does it look like I'm trying to hide? Like, she's out there. It's so frustrating. Um, it's so frustrating. And, and Gal goes on to say that, that each have failed her in different ways. How about you're failing me by not mentioning <laughs> Jessica Jones, my favorite of these shows, and somebody who I think, despite her flaws or perhaps because of them, can be held up perhaps highest on the list as as related in terms of relatability and, and, and all of that. We'll save that for the Jessica Jones podcast. But oh my goodness, it had me upset. I'm very angry at you, Madam Gao, and by implication, you're a writer. The Defenders teaser, effectively to this point, having been released earlier in the week, uh, first in the form of the um, elevator camera footage um, with Jessica Jones being the one who notices the camera is on and jumping and taking it out. And I just have so much hope for her to be the one to call the three other guys on their Pete's not going to say it stuff, Matt, <laughs> um, even their body language in that elevator video, the three dudes, first off Murdoch's wearing uh, the, the improvised mask again, he's got his suit on. So, okay, I, I get it. But uh, you know, Danny, falls into a clump we don't know what's happened if that's even actual footage from the show but there's Kristen Ritter batting that camera shut okay like just bow down and recognize the girl's gonna be running this Pete I'm okay with that and uh well I can't wait I can't wait I'm so glad Pete that the most enthusiastic we've been about the Defender's property is uh, in the middle of this Iron Fist podcast, which is a little bit of a comment, perhaps, on portions of this episode, like the non-Harold parts. Regardless, though, Pete, Claire says that they've come to, to her, all these people, these gifted people, Daredevil wanted to be patched up. Luke Cage wanted to be patched up. Danny Rand wanted to be patched up. Jessica Jones, who probably sought her out the most times and whatnot is of course not mentioned gal notes that they are still broken when they leave her i guess i mean claire did the job that was asked of her regardless gal adds that claire doesn't need to share a path with danny uh that she that that will put her on a path for heartbreak and pain suspicious here how gal's trying to break up the band here pete is claire going to abandon danny there's no way, and she points that out there, despite Gao's insistence that it's selfish to involve him in her quest, that if she was special, it would have happened already, Matt. But sorrow, heartbreak, pain, sometimes the strongest thing you can do is leave. Danny would understand, but she's not going to abandon him. Well, what about uh, even to save your mother? That's when that's when uh, we see that Gao has gotten under Claire's skin, in case you didn't realize that Gao was trying to get under people's skin. Colleen comes at that opportune time to pull Claire away. Gao smiles and uh, turns, her, turns her gaze onto Colleen. Hello, Ms. Wing. You aren't looking well. Pete, I want to share a concern I had, a story concern. I'm so glad that it didn't uh, it didn't pan out this way. I was worried, gee whiz, Pete, 
Why is she having sickness this morning? Because, you know, she slept with one guy one time and uh, didn't know how to protect herself. I'm Never glad they didn't go that route. Uh, I think she's much... crossed my mind. <laughs> I was fearful of it. Like, no, you're not going to take her out because you're going to take her out story-wise for that for that reason, for that genesis of she slept with a guy. I'm glad they didn't go that route. Apologies, dear listener, that we're talking about such tender things. I know you listen sometimes with your kids in the car, but them's the breaks. Hey, I'm not the one that put the huggy kissy scene in my Iron Fist episode a couple episodes ago. Anyhow, Pete, any other thoughts there? Should we head to Danny breaking what? into the world's little smallest lab door? <laughs> in his own lab, no longer his own lab. And there is the scientist who uh, helped him a couple episodes back. Um, he needs her help, but she really likes and needs her job. Uh, if he gets caught, uh, he never saw her. Uh, wait, what's this for? Never mind. I don't want to know. I, I do like his charm there, kind of the boyish, gee whiz, I, I just need a few things. Um, Got any is, sodium course... pentothal laying about? It is, of course, a little bit of a uh, little bit of a break because now we're headed back to Gao, talking, talking to Colleen, Pete. They're talking lady to lady. Gao saying, "You are a woman in this world, completely and consistently underestimated. Your grandfather was right to train you." Pete, I don't know whether I'm for or against the fact that Gao is instantly under Colleen's skin. It certainly happens quickly. Last warning. Uh, but the phrase spoken here in Japanese and then translated by Colleen because we as viewers don't speak Japanese and it was not put in subtitles. The frog trapped in a well does not understand the sea. It was a common Japanese saying. He spoke it several times to her in his life, but it was printed in his obituary, which she points out Gao could have looked up. But um, he spoke it to her because she always, Colleen, saw a wider world, understood what was at stake like you do now. The most loaded line here, Matt, if you allow this charade to continue, all will be lost. It's around this point where, uh, where reference is made to him coming. Uh, I think it was kind of intentionally unclear, although certainly reminded me of the fact that, uh, that uh, there is a big bad behind Gal that we should uh, be keeping an eye out for. Uh, an offer is made from Gal, release me, and uh, Colleen's life will proceed untouched. Um, Colleen says no to that. And uh, capping off the scene... Colleen is hit with uh, sudden abdominal pain and calls out to Claire. So moment of highest tension. We, of course, cut to Rand HQ. Uh, Harold is uh, looking on in the building. Rand. I am Rand. No, I'm Meacham. Um, he bumps into a mysterious man who, uh, Pete, I suspect we're going to see more of later in the episode, just from the way that the camera lingers there. Uh, they share a look with each other. Harold then looks at his reflection. It's at this point, Pete, that we have enough story with Harold to know that he's slowly on the mend. And I feel like as he looks at his reflection, one can feel his brain knitting itself back together slowly. This is just a wonderful, nuanced performance out of David Wenham. 
and leaving the handprints, a motif we've seen several times with him, the dirty handprints on the outside of the building. Around back, Matt, of course, it's Ward's birthday that is the code, not Joy's birthday. You always put your firstborn in as the code because they are the better, smarter, more handsome, more successful children. Everyone knows that. I agree. And I'm glad that my younger sibling doesn't listen to podcasts. (laughs) Maybe he can't on account that he's not the firstborn. I don't know. Is that how it works? Wow. Shots fired. (laughs) Shots fired indeed. Um, uh, It was slightly clear to me, or unclear rather, exactly where he was, uh, whether it was just a random back door. But as you said, sure enough, quickly enough. It turns out that he is in Rand HQ. And Listen, if Ward's birthday is unlocking other doors. <laughs> well, it could be a secret warehouse or something like that. Right. I got um, it. Pete, that's when it's going to be revealed that Harold Meacham has a, has a souped up black Camaro or Charger that can also be driven by a ghost of the damned. <laughs> ghost Rider meets Iron Fist coming next fall. Ghost Fist. Ghost Fist. Iron Rider. Um, he ends up on the 45th floor, just like that. You know, Pete, I'm so glad that for his sake, uh, this is not one of those buildings where like to get to certain floors, you have to use one of those like RFID cards to go all the way up to the 45th floor. Um, cause that would be really unfortunate. Well, I'm man, glad. It, it, it's just a set, man. He can walk from one place to the other, <laughs> but yeah, the, the illusion is of, of security is certainly uh ruined although let's point out last episode um when ward was able to get up to uh lawrence's new uh office that was danny's that was wendell's he pointed out there was going to be some uh security changes so maybe they fired them all who knows or or to be fair i mean you're only as good as your weakest link so if there's a if there's a weakness in the security area where if you go into the back and then you go the this and the that all it takes is intimate knowledge of the building, which which he would have. So you're right, Pete. You've talked me into it being, let's see, what's less than story baloney, but not as good as like story story uh, salami, filet mignon. Sto- this, it's story salami. You know what? It's not great, but it's darn good. Um, got the job done. He lingers on the pictures there of uh, of Wendell and him. Uh, he goes into his son's office, Ward. This is Ward's pop. office. <laughs> My son's office. With the pictures there that have been left, not his pictures. Who the hell is Frank Robbins? That's a good question, Pete. Who the heck is Frank Robbins? Doesn't matter. Jo- where's Joy? Where is everyone? What happened? I need to go home. Dials the phone. And Matt, thank goodness. We are due a little later in this episode for the next and perhaps the final installment of Kyle's Corner. (laughs) Well, sure enough, that's who he calls this. Again, this whole scene, it's fairly one note on the page. He has trouble remembering. He looks at old things. This is completely, completely carried by David Wenham. But sure enough, he calls someone and it's Kyle. It's Kyle. Uh, Kyle was quite worried, sir. And then he shares some exposition about Ward and Joy losing the company. But hey, (laughs) he talks a lot. No, no, he's going to keep talking now. Would you like your healthy shake? Oh, you don't drink healthy shakes anymore. You're going to have bourbon. 
It's a wee bottle, Pete, but it's got the black label. Harold seems to enjoy it. And then Pete, the pièce de résistance. <laughs> what would you do if you found out you could live forever? Pete, how does Kyle respond? He'd eat ice cream for breakfast. <gasps> and Wenham, as Harold, just sells this so well. Really? Well, and lunch. Yes, sir. Amazing. Oh, thank you, sir. That's not a compliment. We cut to that mysterious man with the shaved head entering a food truck, uh, saying nothing but quickly taking out the, uh, the cook in there, beating him into silence. Uh, he has a copy of Forbes with Danny on the cover. He also ties the man's hands with an extension cord. He folds tinfoil into a throwing star, throws it at the wall, and it sticks there. Pete, this is awfully familiar to something I saw in, in a rather lousy Ben Affleck movie from the early 2000s. Uh, I, I don't know if that's where we're headed, but uh, it certainly is a compelling little interlude. I don't understand how the foil could be turned into a throwing star that could cut through other metal with such a heavy metallic thud, but okay, comic book TV show. Um, as that, uh, scene ends, we head over and we see Ward listening to Joy's message. He's in that hallway with the mirror heading towards the penthouse. He arrives at the penthouse. He's asking for Kyle. He senses somebody's there. And then we get Harold's voiceover explaining that after his mother delivered Ward, um, and there comes Harold around the corner bourbon in one hand the knife his son killed him with in the other and continues that the nurse wrapped ward in a blanket and placed him in his arms he thought to himself this is my son he'll only have the best parts of me not the broken pieces pete everyone knows those parts are for the younger siblings indeed. i did of course indeed um but uh this it's not tearful yet, but it soon turns a, a tearful reunion all the while um, Harold brandishing that knife and Ward backing up asks him, you know, uh, why aren't you dead? I can't die. Uh, no, I did die. Um, that uh, was he so terrible, Ward? Um, and is he a monster to which Ward uh, straight face replies yes definitely as he comes closer he drops that knife says he's so sorry please forgive him i love you uh you you know that don't you no i don't <laughs> he ward's response should have been when his father said i love you he should have said i know absolutely um but uh it, it's the type of scene that would not be successful in the hands of two other actors that are on screen here. Um, you know, we've, we've watched Tom Pelfrey's performance grow and grow and grow. Um, and David Wenham has been an absolute bright point uh, when we get Harold, which isn't a lot. Absolutely, and uh, certainly a powerful scene indeed. 
Uh, Ward shocked but not overwhelmed by it all. However, the capper to the scene is Harold saying, I died and came back to you. Isn't that great? With that, we move on to Colleen's dojo. You know, remember that storyline, Pete? Um, <laughs> Colleen is in bed and feeling kind of fluish. I guess no real reason to commit to anything too dangerous yet. Matt, um, it's not the flu. I know, Pete. I saw later in the episode. Um, it was a rather muddy scene. Like, it was even unclear. Are they telling Danny she has the flu, but it's actually something else? It's not the flu. <laughs> I know, Pete. It's it's something far worse. Um, Colleen wants Danny to get Gal. And this is when I realized uh, I'm kind of so engrossed with the Harold storyline that I had kind of forgot the Iron Fist versus the Hand stuff that was going on in the Iron Fist show. So some interesting story prioritization there going I on, mean, at it's least for me. more interesting Iron Fist hand stuff i mean having gao and holding her hostage flipping flipping the trope um you know traditionally speaking even though that's become a a thing where the the bad guy allows his herself to get captured you know we'll go joker we'll go star trek reboot con we'll go the one uh bond movie uh the the reboot you know that that's become a thing um it it is better than what went on uh, in in the previous episode, but yeah, you know we're we're drawn to the the mystery of how is this guy alive again? Uh, how is he coming back? What what is happening when he's coming back? And then you know, all right, a hostage in a chair, and you know, sick uh, small business owner who does kung fu. Claire, at this point, readies the sodium pentothal. Gao says Danny is completely unprepared for what will happen next, that she has something scarier than a dragon in a cave. Just wonderful performance here out of the actress. Mm -hmm. uh, she's given the injection. She looks arrogant. That's it. That's all. Then she is dulled, or at least seems dulled, by the injection. How did she know Danny's father? She knew his mother manipulated her. Wendell wouldn't make a deal, though. Harold would deal, however, he would trade in his partner. And with that, Gao nods off, Claire saying, that's it, that's all you're going to get, making it clear, thus ends the truth from Sodium Pentothal. Or does it, that because no sooner does that happen than uh, Colleen opens the door and collapses. They rush over to her, uh, come to find out that uh, it's her arm the cut it's the same poison from china we have to help her um not unless claire knows what the poison is oh will we just put gal to sleep uh no you didn't because now her head is up and she's watching this you really think your drugs would affect me she asks she spent most of the 17th century being interrogated killer line there best line of the series so far undoubtedly uh with that colleen says danny needs to make a call it's in her phone under sensei uh danny that leaves means a teacher matt it does the ed pete and they called him sensei meaning teacher uh danny leaves a message with all the pertinent info and with that we cut to the mystery man uh in the food truck uh, star man i've star called him man, in my yes. notes here 
Mr. Mr. Bullseye, Eye on the Bullseye. Maybe that might be a, a tad too far, too premature. Hashtag spoiler free. Uh, regardless, though, he overhears that Danny's been spotted at the dojo. He kind of overhears it with a you know a guy that's got the Secret Service wire thing in his ear, and the guy, of course, is holding it to his ear as he walks by. So it's clear to us, we who, who can hear it, where the source is coming from. Uh, he's also been making more ninja stars too, throwing them at the uh, the uh, increasingly nervous chef. With that, Pete, take us back to the penthouse. Yeah, uh, Ward tells Harold he wants to be left alone. He wants no part of Rand. He wants his own life away from him. Uh, Harold is so desperate. He wants his whole family back together and whole. Uh, but if that's what it's going to take, it's what it's going to take. Uh, maybe she'll, Joy, be more forgiving. Um Harold doubles down. He has no other option. But wait, Ward reminds him the hand will kill her. Well, he, Harold, has been working on something to put an end to that. What is it, ask Ward? But Ward, you know, you wanted us to leave you alone. We'll, we'll be fine. You go you go do your heroin things. Wait, what? We, we who... You know, maybe maybe Joy could become the new the new number two. You know, go ahead and leave. It's okay. Uh, I'll just tell Joy I'm back after 15 years and shatter her her sense of uh, you know loss of her father and whatnot. But but you go, Ward. You go. At least we would know who number two works for. Indeed, yes. Back at the dojo, Colleen's poison lines look worse. Kind of like more eyeliner. <laughs> more drawn on drawn on exactly kind of more thicker drawing whether it's marker or whatever it's just the thicker brush so you can blast those lashes or something i love the line out of uh gal here as danny is calming colleen you'll be okay uh you're such children and then the lights go out <laughs> it's it, it gal is the secret sauce here um a, uh, a camera is poked through the door with the lights out. Uh, Colleen smashes it uh, and then quickly opens her shade to reveal no one's there, which was interesting. Um, a smoke grenade comes in through the window and then holes start appealing, appearing up from the ceiling. Um, military level baddies come in. Uh, there's a, a flashbang grenade is dropped through as well. Danny iron fists them a bit, but uh, Colleen and Claire do their part as well. See, Pete, you don't need an iron fist to stand up for yourself. The more you know. Um, they're all taken out fairly easily. And uh, Claire notes that that was fairly easy. These guys aren't ninjas because they're military. You see, Pete, there you go. The show's making a clear message. It's easy to beat up military people if you take lessons from a dojo. Is that the message? But as we've seen with the hands work in poison, they try to get you to speed your heartbeat up. And Gao uh, encourages Danny to look to his girlfriend. I didn't know they were boyfriend girlfriend at this point. Did you? Well, uh, I have heard talk of there having been uh, huggy kissy horizontal time. But that doesn't that's not a commitment, Matt. It could have been, you know, casual. Pete, this is all getting a little too little too grown up for me. Shall wait, wait. we? Is this Fantastic Geek after dark? Well, 
Pete, let's let's turn on the lights. Let's have a frank discussion, first of all, about making sure that you're making responsible decisions, not just physically, but emotionally. Um, regardless, though, Pete, can we go to the Golden Palace? Uh, not before, however, um, the invitation to uh, bring Gao back to her people. Claire would get safe passage to help Colleen. They'd have the antidote ready. Uh, everything would be taken care of. Um, but Colleen says that she's lying. Now we go to Ward meeting with the Golden Palace crew. He'll pay any price to find a way uh, out uh, of his father's deal with the hand. Um, the uh, the capo of capos that he is speaking to tells him the story of his great-grandfather, uh, one who made a deal with the hand and died on the battlefield, died many times. Each it time wasn't came... his uh, great-grandfather. It was There was a shepherd in his great-grandfather's village. Even better, Pete. Better for story illustration. Regardless, then, the shepherd would come back from death on the battlefield each time a little bit worse, a little more ready to destroy those around him. Uh, indeed, he he killed his children and so on and so forth. It, it's certainly a, a, a ghastly tale. Yes, roast them. Uh, the only solution, Pete, is to run. They... Um destroy the ones closest to them first wait a minute um, that's like harold and his children pete yes uh, at least i think i hope that we have uh, that kind of explained to us a bit clearer in literally the next scene but matt you don't need to wait for um your undead father to destroy you first when you can walk down the stairs at the golden palace and slap on one of the hands new handy dandy uh synthetic heroin patches which the logo without the uh wings when it's in black looks like a question mark i <laughs> i i for a second i'm like oh no the riddler pete what feels like riding a dragon and uh a step closer to death i don't know answer it's pete it's doing heroin come on don't do heroin it's really really bad for you how do you uh, know this <laughs> pete i because i because i've seen ward nominally have his life made slightly vaguely worse by doing the heroines um anyhow in a penthouse pete the penthouse no less kyle is getting ready to leave Harold has a surprise for Kyle. It's all of this ice cream. It's just for Kyle. Actually, Matt, I I looked really close at the ice cream. I don't think it's ice cream. I think it's gelato, and I think it's a certain brand of gelato. Listeners, you need to understand that everybody has kryptonite. Um the, the person speaking to you now uh, is, is not a fan of cheese except on pizza and once threw out an entire pizza from a local pizzeria because it tasted like hot garbage. Uh, but my man, Matt, he has his own uh, food kryptonite story. Uh, yeah, there is a – I can't imagine how it's popular. There's a popular brand of gelato that uh, I had uh, either bought or perhaps my wife had bought. Talenti's. 
What's that? Talentis. Okay. Well, I'll tell you this. It was so awful that I took two bites. I threw the rest out, and then I went on their website and proceeded to leave a review of it saying that it was only worthy of being thrown out and turned into garbage. It was that bad. And these I, little clear containers in the two bowls have the very uh, size and nature of those Talentis. I don't know if they have an org- organic cornflake one, uh, but they might. Uh, Pete, not to take this tangent too far, I'm actually on their website now trying to see if I can remember what the flavor was so I can see if my awful review is still there. It definitely got posted, and I, I need to stress, listeners, I'm not saying this to light them up because I'm a mean, mean person. It was hideous in terms of mouthfeel, flavor, and experience to my soul. I've had it. It's not that bad. Pete, while I continue to cruise their website here, um, take us through what happens to Kyle. Kyle's never seen uh, Harold eat dairy nor sugar. Harold's a new man. He'll have the organic cornflake. What's Kyle going to get? Well, he didn't know what his favorite was, so Harold very thoughtfully got them all. Um, But you know what? He doesn't need all these fancy flavors vanilla is fine for him uh which at this point pete it made me think do you remember that scene in iron fist okay going going a little ways back here do you remember the scene in iron fist where there was the parable okay of the 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 shepherd do you remember this scene (laughs) the shepherd had made a deal with the hand and he died on the battlefield, but then came back. And each time, is this ringing the bell, Pete? He came back a little worse. It's vaguely familiar right. from about three and a half minutes ago. So here's where I'll take off the mask of sarcasm and say, what are you doing, show, that you give me an illustrative parable in one scene, and then in the next scene, merely illustrate it? You could have intercut these two. You could have given me this scene earlier in the episode. Why tell me, then show me in back-to-back scenes? It's saved, if only, Matt, again, because of the way that uh, Wenham sells this with his anger, um, that he's provided all of this ice cream, and all you do is complain. Kyle, of course, who doesn't say much past I'm sorry, is just going to eat it. No, you ungrateful little S. Uh, And he beats him to death with the ice cream scooper, getting blood splatter all over his face. Apparently, Talenti's doesn't make that flavor. Uh, Pete, that was a rough and brutal scene. Just because of its savage, uh, it's, I don't know, it's vicious, savage prolonged beating here where he's poor kyle kyle can't understand what's going on the whole thing is just it's sad and i know kyle was set up as brittle from the beginning so that we could so that we could get so we could get this ending but it's rough to see it really is well once he's laying there in a uh blood spattered heap not a morsel of ice cream having touched his palate, Matt. Um, Harold explains that it's okay. He's been where you're going. 
um, the the nothingness, and uh, then kind of snaps out of it and uh, you know calls his name, Kyle's name, several times. What did he do? And then lies next to him. There, there's this, there's this primal sadness to the scene where it's like you realize that on some level uh harold does not understand that death for kyle and indeed death for most of us is this final thing and it's like you know kyle's not coming back and 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 he he just seems surprised of that um outside the golden palace though we go police are snooping around ward's car he asks for a lawyer uh, and uh, says that they can't go into his car without cause. He's told that it being visible is a cause. They found some packets of heroin. So his hands go on the hood, which I guess. Yeah, I mean, we're going uh, uh, to need Robert T. Frost and, and any other law enforcement to, uh, to weigh in on that. Uh, but they scoop him up. And Matt, where does he wind up, you know, for cause? Pete, because it, it appears that this is a high-end person with uh, a significant amount of heroin, not that any amount is justifiable, mind you, but I don't know that it's quite just, it's it's quite enough to say uh, that he's a dealer, but it's more than one little bit. Um, so, of course, he ends up in a mental hospital because he apparently is doing heroin. I don't get it other than very quickly ward is is uh piecing together that he's here because of his father um he's asked to talk about his father who dr edmonds reminds him has been dead for 13 years uh ward says that they need to uh or he needs to be careful how he responds if he talks about his alive father then they'll know he's crazy because he's dead and if he won't talk at all then they'll know he's crazy because he won't talk uh, however, Pete, they need to proceed carefully. And why is that? He's a dual diagnosis patient, Matt. He's an addict and he has psychological disorders, which don't go named, of course. He asserts uh, he's not an addict. And uh, the heroin the cops found would tell a different story. As crazy as all this sounds, we cut to Harold watching on the cameras with relish. So I guess that's meant to say that Harold put all this together. Uh, I'm just not clear entirely on the timing of this all. You know, there was... Uh, Going in to get the uh, the gang clan to help him out and coming out and, and having uh, heroin in the car... Yeah, could Ward have been careless? It's certainly a possibility, but it smacks of setup and that uh, Harold's watching this with relish, which is not a Talenti's ice cream flavor. Um, <laughs> you know, although it, it, who knows, it could be uh, based on, on Matt's reaction to it. Uh, certainly does not bode well for Ward. Staying in the building, Pete, but going from the penthouse to the lobby, Joy enters that just lovely lobby. Pete, note to self, next time you and I find ourselves in the New York City, uh, let's find out where that building was. If it's anywhere in the Midtown area, which I realize it may well not be, but let's let's at least go in there. Let's take our pictures or whatever. Um, 
clearly she's wondering exactly what she's doing there. And then with one push of the button on his Mac, Harold opens up the elevator door appropriate to bring her to the top floor. Uh, she then makes her way to the penthouse elevator, and Harold opens it again with a click of the button here. A little unsure about the technology there, but whatevs, because we have a tense bit of story. Um, we're seeing her walk, and then there's tension, and then there's there's elevator doors, and then they're opening, and they're closing, and there's tension. Could we speed things up just a little <laughs> bit? Pete, take us into the penthouse with joy. Harold comes around the corner. Uh, Joy greets him as daddy. Hello. He's missed her so much. Um, Clearly a surprise for her. But wait, he saw her. I'm sorry. She saw him dead in a casket. Uh, He's sorry that she had to see that. He remarks how much she's grown. They hug. She cries. It's all going to be okay now, Matt. It is, and again, David Wenham just just soaring in the scene here. Um, Harold is showing his emotions, his grace, his happiness, his regret. Pete, the way he paternally puts his hand onto her shoulders is an acting class of her own. Uh, he then hugs her, and Pete, shall we say that uh, Jessica Stroop's performance here as Joy, while good, it lacks the subtle rainbow of sad emotions shown by Wenham in the scene. She's a little one note of shock. Um, well, you know who's not one note, Matt, is Madame Gao. And uh, when she points out that Colleen is a fighter, but once the poison reaches to her brain, it's lights out. Uh, Claire says that this is beyond her. And as this is going on, um, the sensei shows up. Uh, how did he get there, Matt? There's soldiers everywhere. Well, he's taking care of Madam's, Madam Gao's mercenaries. Is this another trap? No. Look out your window. And like a puppet, I will drop a guy in strings. There are in fact strings on him it's a it's a cute moment it's a funny moment uh, it, it does strain credulity a bit but i think that the the over-the-top silliness to me i was okay with it um how about you pete uh it was a little too silly for me um he wants them to open the door gal kind of bites his head off you have no business here leave and uh, the sensei here who identifies himself as Bakudo, we've seen him in one other episode. I believe it was the one before this. And uh, he says, you should have called me sooner. Uh, she is dying. You've got to help her. You're the Iron Fist. Then heal her. What? Pete, how can the Iron Fist heal her? Danny doesn't understand. We don't understand. Bakudo doesn't understand why Danny wasn't taught this, which is to say Bakudo doesn't understand why Danny doesn't doesn't understand. There's a lot of just have read the instructions that came with the fist. That's what I was thinking. He's told to center his chi and move it to his hand, you know, like usual. His hand lights up. Now, open your fist and place it uh, over the poison. It's miraculous. 
but also kind of slow. Um, he's told to focus on the poison. Can you sense the poison and her life force? They are separate. At this point, Pete, I'm going to choose my words carefully, but there's a lot of Danny's hand glowing and Colleen groaning and Danny grunting. Sweet Christmas. Yes, sweet Christmas indeed. That's almost, Pete, like some sort of paramount climax acme to the scene. And then they're both kind of done and out of breath. And Pete made me feel all TVMA, even though this is like TVPG or whatever. Bakuda looks smugly happy. And Gal repeats the quote, a frog in the well never understands the sea. Okay, everyone leaves, although Claire is then left curbside. Pete, that, by the everyone, I mean, there's an SUV pulling on up. There's we two. Got, there's two. We got passed out Danny. We got Bakudo. We got Gao. We got Colleen Wing. We have other anonymous red shirts wearing black clothing. And, and Claire is left there. What is going on? The SUV leaves. But Pete, that's not the very end of the episode. Yeah, where... Uh, they are going, she's told. Claire is. She's not allowed to go. Colleen asserts everything will be okay. And then the two SUVs driving away, we see Starman with his bag. Sparring partners. Let's look at who Danny faced off against in this episode. Pete, first up, it might not have been face-to-face, but the baddie carrying the episode. Nay, I would say behind the A plot, Danny being in the B plot, it was Harold Meacham himself. Yeah, from the moment this episode opens, um, Harold's return is what we want on the screen. We want more of it. We want to see more of him. Um, and leaving the way he did the viewer, you know, although this is comic book TV and we've had, uh, situations where, uh, characters have, uh, returned in this corner of the Marvel cinematic universe. Didn't really expect that we'd see him again. I have to admit, nor did I, it certainly wouldn't be the first time that a recognizable actor uh, has been killed off in what feels premature to us. However, I think that's certainly is the effect that they've gone for in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and in, shall we say, another Marvel Netflix show. If you haven't seen them all, then you should have. And if you have, you know who I'm talking about. Spoiler alert, he's an Oscar winner now. I got a little bit of a dry mouth when you were talking about maybe some cotton in it. Pete, that's what the couple of people who haven't seen that show get for not having watched it because he's fantastic. Um, I, I, I mean, there's such a power to his performance and it, it, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, like a hurricane in that it leaves in its wake that which is not strong enough to survive. And that is the performance of some of the people he shares the screen with in this episode. Um, as aforementioned, I don't want to don't want to beat the stick there, but uh, you, you know it's either that or it's just it it's just the other storyline that, despite it being supposedly, despite the Danny storyline being the one that we care about the most because it's about the Iron Fist. 
give me more Harold. Give me more Harold and less Danny in this episode, and I would be happier. It could have come across as super silly from, you know, sticking his finger in the hot dog cart and then barfing whatever he did to uh, walking around uh, Rand Enterprises after hours to murdering his assistant over ice cream. But it doesn't. And I'm I'm watching it. And uh, unlike you with Talenti's ice cream, Matt, I'm eating it up. Uh, Pete, it's gelato, not ice cream. <laughs> uh, Pete, also uh, a sparring partner. Surely Gal must be on your list. Yeah. And we're going to theorize a little bit uh, in the context of some of the statements that she made in this episode. But. For her to be stuck in the chair the entire episode other than when she's taken out and to maintain the largest presence the entire time, aware, of course, that the weapons were poisoned and just waiting uh, Colleen's uh, collapse out. Um, Always the smartest person in the room. Time to focus our chi. And look inside this episode. Pete, is Madame Gao the ageless wonder in a show that has made it clear that you can prolong your life? Indeed, despite the fact that Harold has died twice, it appears that we can now kind of exist through inference in in a place in this story sandbox where while in between your deaths, you're not aging. Is Gao the ageless wonder? We've never seen her or had reference to her dying. Um, Obviously she has aged. It would of course depend if she's undergone whatever magic voodoo, et cetera, that the hand does to do this. I mean, we've seen this with Nobu. We've seen this with Electra. We've not seen her come back from it and, and what she would be after that. And uh, obviously Harold, Um, The interesting part about the fingers, which you pointed out earlier in this episode, I didn't pick up watching it, Um, wondering, you know, does he bear scars from having been stabbed? We know that he regenerated from the, uh, you know, cancer ridden condition he was when he died and came back three days later. So... Yeah, I mean, is it possible she was interrogated, murdered, came back? It it certainly is. I get the feeling she's not experienced it. I will disagree slightly. Maybe she died the once and then has come back uh, and has yet to die again because of her, uh, you know, ability for longevity. Um, whatever that kind of nether place might be, where where you know where Harold has not aged in fifteen years, perhaps. When she was at whatever age she is, she is, uh, or the actress is now, uh, perhaps that's when the uh, the hand uh, voodoo, as you say, Pete, was done to her. Uh, whether she was alive or not, I mean, I, I suppose we don't know if it's if it's uh, if it only truly kicks in once you've died once, or if it just pauses your aging, that sort of thing. But um, it, it's it's tantalizing to think that she's been around this long and has been co- uh, causing trouble for for this amount of time. Pete, here's another one for you. 
who is this mysterious man who can apparently hit his bullseye by throwing anything? Anything's a weapon. Starman. Uh, I mean, I have some ideas. Um, he's been mentioned so many times by Danny. Uh, and if you look at the pack, it looks like he's done some traveling. I get the feeling it might be Davos. Ooh, that certainly would be interesting. Davos has been mentioned enough and with enough of a mysterious name to uh, to perhaps keep an eye out for him. Pete, I'm holding out that we're getting that we're getting Bullseye here, although I doubt that they would introduce him in such a way. Not that Bullseye is the, the best character in the world. Uh, certainly difficult to swallow in uh, the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie, but uh, it would be a neat little moment if somehow they've worked the one baddie into the other into the other uh, property. Matt, how about the charade brought up by Madame Gao to Colleen? What charade is she talking about? Pete, I think it's this charade that the hand can be can be fought against. That uh, Colleen and her sensei, whatever that uh, as of yet completely uh, or, or not completely known uh organization that group that that philosophy is uh to the hand that uh madame gao is just trying to, to push this notion that colleen is on the wrong side of things and needs to get out of the way before she gets plowed through and now matt it's time perhaps the final time for kyle's corner pete it's a time for merriment and sadness as we get to hear from our pal kyle well, you know, I, I picked Harold up. I was so worried and uh, to, to see him after Joy and, and Ward had lost the company. Um, but I'm, I'm sorry you don't like the green drink. Uh, I, I'll get you more bourbon for next time. But uh, I just love ice cream, man. I, I, I could eat it for breakfast. I could eat it. I could even eat it for lunch. As long as you have vanilla. Do you do you have any vanilla for me? There's no vanilla. You know what? I'll just shut up and die. Let's listen to some messages from the mystical city of Kunlun. Pete, first email is from our pal Bruce. Uh, he says, hey, guys, I found your comments on women fighting women uh, in the latest podcast uh, interesting, but I think you will have to resign yourself to seeing it. The problem is that people will still find the idea and the visual of a good guy beating the crap out of a woman, even if she's evil, just too shocking. So if you have a female bad guy, you have to have her take a beating administered by a woman or people change channels en masse or, uh, or it will be the only thing they remember about the episode. When you lose viewers like that, you don't come back. It's not a risk a show can take. A perfect example of this is The Way of the Gun from 2000, which I recall being a decent movie, but I would bet that uh, the only scene anyone remembers is Benicio Del Toro punching out Sarah Silverman's raving, uh, raving B character in the opening scene. Uh, I don't know what you guys have done to me to get me writing uh, this much about a show that I thought was mediocre at best. Pete, if nothing else, we like to inspire the conversation there. What is your thought on um, this idea that uh, the, the show is perhaps not 
not not trying to advance a a a narrative of women on women but rather to just keep the audience hanging around it's tough to be in the writer's room and and to bat ideas like that around is it too much is it not enough um you took umbrage with that fight i liked it i think greatly uh viewers will vary uh certainly good points brought up there I think if nothing else, how about how about this? We could have we could have straddled the line a little bit more if it was like the the male and female security guards, and then the one runs after Danny, and the other is left to it to to attack Colleen. Then it would have been a little bit less like men with men and women with women. Anyhow, Pete, moving on, we have an email from our pal Henry Perno who writes in uh, to say on the podcast for episode 108, you said that Danny acted against what he was trained to do. I'd like to propose a theory. Danny has become emotionally imbalanced because he started his training at the age of 10 when he was already used to the luxuries of life as he knew it. Uh, it's a it's an Anakin Skywalker conundrum. If you'll recall the Phantom Menace oh, for a moment, Yoda I said Anakin... This email, I want that made abundantly clear. I I read the emails. I don't pre I don't screen the emails. Um, anyhow, Yoda said Anakin was too old to begin the Jedi training, and the Jedi are strongly influenced by Buddhists like the ones who trained Danny. Which excellent observation right there, Henry. Uh, back to Henry's words: Anakin and Danny are about the same age as Danny, and we know uh, we all know how Anakin's life went on account of not being ready for it, like the other Jedi younglings. Uh, it's only one thing that can pull this theory together, Matt. Well, Pete, we, we got a couple more sentences here okay. from Henry. I, he says, I'm not proposing a Darth Vader path for <laughs> Danny, but my theory is that being the age he was when he was trained and his human desire to have to uh, human and his human desire have created a conflict of what he learned in childhood against what he came uh, when he came of age learning. The sudden change and shock of losing his parents stunted his emotional growth. Totally agree there. When he got back, he had a mental conflict that caused his inconsistent personality. The show could have played it better, and maybe we'll see it done better in future appearances like The Defenders, Luke Cage Season 2, if they put him in a recurring role there. Pete Henry also wondering if perhaps there's going to be a Luke Cage and the Iron Fist mashup. We'll see. Until then, enjoy the rest of Season 1. Thank you, Henry. Pete, I give you the microphone. Well, thanks again, Henry. Uh, if this is going to happen, um, Danny's got to make some really adamant statement about not liking sand. <laughs> it does get everywhere. Pete, do you have any uh, messages from the great beyond? I do. Uh, we were left a review uh, to the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek on iTunes from Rex Stout. Uh, the headline is The Best Companion, five stars, and it reads, These two guys are articulate and knowledgeable. Listening after watching an episode really enriches the experience. Well, very much appreciated there by Rex Stout, greatest name ever, question mark. <laughs> Definitely both... better than Bakudo or Starman. <laughs> Starman, yeah. If, if is... only we we get, you know, Harold could have said 
Wow, you're stout, and you look like a king. You could be Rex Stout. Um, Pete, it's what we try and do, and we always, you know, th- there are so many podcasts out there and so many different ways of doing this. We do what we do, and uh, we love it that there are, there are people out there across the world who, uh, who, who, who like the way we do it, Pete. So thank you again, uh, Rex. And Pete, of course, as always, a thank you to all our patrons on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Let's just say this upcoming week, the goal is for them to be getting uh, to be getting some some early stuff. It's going to be some good stuff. They will be getting some early stuff. Uh, Membership has its privileges, Matt. So get yourself to patreon.com forward slash fantastic geek. You get exclusive podcast content at any level and then there are levels of course where you can get yourself a little something something else so uh thank you again for uh helping us keep the lights on and the memory and the episodes in the computers uh couldn't do it without you absolutely and uh always so appreciated whether you're giving at the uh at the Madame Gao level or the Starman level, it's all appreciated. Pete, coming for free always, though, is being able to interact with you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,143 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole variety of ways. We are Fantastic Geek. That is fantastic with the P and H. Get in touch with us on FantasticGeek.com. Leave a comment there. Email FantasticGeek at gmail.com like Bruce and Henry did. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram where we are also Fantastic Geek. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. Like it today. We've got a lot going on between Iron Fist, the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, we're going to be putting a little something, something together about a special trip i took to albuquerque new mexico in january to go see all my friends from better call saul and um breaking bad ahead of the better call saul season three premiere on uh monday night april 10th uh we got the guardians of the galaxy volume two coming up as well so busy time around here oh yeah and defenders and punisher and star trek discovery it's so much fun and of course we couldn't do it without you the listeners so we'll be back on monday to talk more uh, iron fist and uh, if you're listening to us on the pop culture podcast or if you're subscribed to the shield podcast we'll be back on wednesday at the latest to talk the next episode of shield and then keep things rolling for uh, for Iron Fist and uh, and Shield alike. So with that, Pete, I will say goodbye to all our listeners and give you the final word. The frog trapped in a well does not understand the sea. 